fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. One hundred two point three FM Riverside and one hundred five oh AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Dave. Dollar store <laughs> day. You're waiting for the name of the day. Yeah, which what is the name of the day? Well, the name du jour. Yeah, dollar store seems to be more famous, you know. We're getting a lot of <laughs> getting a lot of emails about that too. Oh, really? Yeah, people are wow. wondering what is it with you and the dollar store and why? And people, <laughs> you know what the biggest comment is? Yes. Why are you collecting media? Like it's outdated. It's so old. Outdated. Well, this is the, the yeah. most of the comments either call you. Okay, look, it's outdated. <laughs> you're old. Oh, uh, that's true. Oh, I've also got a couple. Okay, boomer. Um, <laughs> I'm Gen X. Okay. I know. I know. I just, I, didn't, I, I just thought it was funny. I think that's becoming just a term saying, "Hey, man, you're old." Yeah. I don't. I don't that's quite okay. get it. I mean, dollar store is uh, a place where you get a lot of you get Blu-rays. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's right. <laughs> I sort of know what they're saying because I'm. I'm yeah. kind of like you too. It's nice to have the medium because you can't always find it. That's right, and you own it. Yeah, you watch it when you want to watch it. That's right. Tied to a streaming service, right? (laughs) You know, but you've got membership at the dollar store. That's right. I don't know. I don't (laughs) see the big deal, but I just love that they're jumping on you. That's good. Why you're, you know, why you buying the product? You don't need to buy it. Does anybody need to? Anybody tell him? A lot of times, it comes with the digital media as well. Ooh, yeah. And for all for a buck twenty five. How yeah, how can you go wrong? Yeah, what else do you have to live for? It's cheaper That's than right. a tank of gas. <laughs> cheaper than a Starbucks. Oh, there What can you get for a buck twenty five today? Um I don't know. Can you get a black coffee now? Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. at some stores. Lost losers. So I saw that I finally saw that John Wick four, so you're right. And and you know, I actually um didn't fast forward too much. So <laughs> so <laughs> Actually, I liked it yeah. for the most part. Um, it's a fun action film. Yeah, fun did action. A good job with it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I was kind of, I was okay with it. It, it was okay. But does he, spoiler, is he really dead? Probably not. No, of course not. <laughs> Probably not. We'll, we'll have to see if there's a John Wick 5. Yeah. So now, did, did you run up to the store this morning? I guess Stevie Nicks released her Barbie doll. <laughs> you released a Barbie doll? Yeah, I thought for sure you'd be at the... No, I did I did not know this. Door Crasher, getting your first Barbie Stevie Nicks doll. Wow. She was just in the area, too, with uh, Billy Joel. Well, there you go. You see, yeah. you, you missed out. You missed out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run right out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I you're better. doing. What are you waiting yeah. for? And that new dome opened up, hey, that... Uh, oh, yeah, you were showing me that. Yeah, yeah. In Vegas, and you two played. That looks pretty cool, hey? It's like a big eye. Neat. Inside, you see the concert, see how it all... Yeah. 
kind of looked. It, it looked pretty cool. Would you do that, Al? No. <laughs> no. That's what I thought. No. It's a, it's a little too much for me. I'm getting too old. You know. <laughs> you like a more intimate um, venue. Yeah. But think yeah. about that. That that you you could have watched your uh, Oppenheimer in that. Yeah. Oh, that'd have been awesome. Yeah. I would have threw up a few times. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, feel like you're falling the whole time. And they caught the killer of Tupac. Oh yeah, I saw that. It only took 27 years. Only 27. <laughs> right. <laughs> Better late than never. Well, yeah, of course. That's what I said. You know. And 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 we've got the guy that caught. Oh. The killer. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting nervous. Yeah, what, I don't, what are they going to do with all those? I was noticing all these people because there's all these places on TikTok and there's all these people that have film of Tupac. He's still alive, right? So what are they going to do? I, mean, I don't know. How do you convict the killer if he's still alive? Live, exactly. Like Jim Morrison and Elvis. We need a cop. <laughs> well... We have got a cop. No, yes. kind of. Anyway, he's got lots of policing experience. He's writing now. He's doing a podcast. He's uh, he's the guy to go to. Um, newest book, Blood Red Ivory, or that was his latest book. And we've got Mr. John Stamp here. So, hey, John, how are you? Good. Thank you for uh, for having me. This is great. Well, we haven't had you yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up. No, so listen, <laughs> I always wonder what leads a person into a career in policing, period, whether it be, uh, you know, military police or if it's uh, regular, you know, police or NCIS and, and, or and any sort of service toward policing a community or a country. Uh, did you kind of... Were you born into that? Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not uh, like a family thing. I was the the first uh, first to go into law enforcement. My family. It was really. I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but by like nine, ten years old, I was like, "That's that's what I'm going to do." And uh, and just I always wanted to. And whether it's growing up with um, with too many uh, too many TV shows and movies, or I do just kind of distinctly remember, you know, that you're trying to figure out what to do with your life and going into careers and stuff like that, and. Growing up in upstate New York, I, I distinctly remember, you know, very cold, snowy night, you know, five inches of snow on the on the ground, uh, and this uh, lone police car just rolling through the night. You know, nobody else is around. It's a, it's desolate out there. It's too cold to even breathe outside. And uh, I just remember thinking as a little kid, being like, whatever that guy's doing, it's he's probably getting into something cool. You know, you know, just being the only person out there on the streets. Just uh, if anything anything goes down, he's going to be a part of it. And I was like. I could probably be a pretty cool deal, um, and I just followed it ever since. And he was—it was right. It's a—it's a fun. It's a very interesting gig. It's not always a fun gig, but it's a—it's a—it's a good way to spend twenty years. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I mean, it sounds like you have a love for it and you went for it. And I think when you have a love for something, it's not like work, and that's why you say it's a fun gig. Or it's, you know, in you're trying to describe it, and you're saying it's that, but it's because you love it. It doesn't feel like work all the time. Yeah, yeah, and for me it was uh, it was really just having something where I wasn't doing the same thing every day. You know, the, as you get up there, you know, get into that uh, having to work for a living thing. You just, I was just uh, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again like a grind. I wanted to get out and be able to do different things, and you know, the law enforcement is one of those things you never know what's coming over the radio or coming through, uh, coming coming from your boss to go do. So it's it's a uh, very, it just keeps it interesting, keeps it going. I uh, 
I've uh, likened it to like having career ADHD. It's uh, as long as there's something new to st- <laughs> stimulate me, I'm I'm pretty much on board. <laughs> what, what, what were the TV uh, detectives or cops that you liked? Like, was it like Hawaii Five O, or was it Kojak, or was it uh, was there a certain policing chips where you like? Uh, uh, <laughs> I I did that. That's narrowing it, narrowing that uh, that generation down for me. I'm a I'm a I, I guess I'm an expert. I've never really looked at it too much, but yeah, I grew up in the uh, in the '90s. You know, the the late '80s and '90s is when I uh, when I was starting to pay attention to stuff. So crazy as it sounds, it was like Miami Vice and like Twenty One Jump Street and, <laughs> and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Like uh, Third Watch, I remember. Uh, yeah, those. Uh, and then uh, of course uh, John McClane, probably best uh, best cop ever lived. You know, through Die Hard. It's like, oh wait, if you're a police officer, you get to do that. And Die Hard, I'm in. Yeah. Oh, oh totally. <laughs> It was it was a documentary basically. <laughs> what was that William Shatner show with uh, T J Hooker? Who oh T J Hooker. Yeah, yeah that, oh, was, that was who was his partner. But Heather Locklear was in there. That's Heather what I was thinking of. Heather Locklear. Yeah. 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 She was kind of like the, the the extra wheel. <laughs> they did a great SNL skit on that. Oh, with, with Shatner, who was oh, riding on really? a car. That's funny. <laughs> the whole time. That would make me watch. Uh, that would make me watch SNL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, yeah, there's some funny ones on there. I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, but back when they were funny. Back when they were funny. Yeah, yeah I left. Uh, I left SNL when Sandler did. So I think. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm dated. Yeah. You're dated. You're so old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jeez. I left when Chevy Chase left. Jesus. Oh man, <laughs> that that was the uh, that was the crew. Like I, those are the ones I'll, I'll watch the reruns of those. Like uh, if you can find them on like TV Land or something. But that original crew, you you'll never be able to beat that. No, that was yeah. that was the what I grew up with. But you see, I'm I'm an old old, <laughs> old man. So so listen. What what goes on with you then? Why why are you in, getting into the writing world? Like what made you jump into that? That's a, that's a transformation. And when you write, you kind of have to share a lot of yourself when you write. So I would imagine that wouldn't that feel a little intimidating? Uh, you know what? It's uh, it's funny you mention that, but but uh, yeah, a little bit because uh, you know and. It going through, you know, working uh, with the, uh, you know, in law enforcement and FBI and NCIS, it's they bang OPSEC into you so much and, you know, having a clearance and stuff like that throughout the career. So it's it's one of those things where whenever you're writing or whenever you're, whenever you're doing an interview, you get done and at least for the next, like, two hours, you're just like, man, I hope I didn't say anything stupid, <laughs> right? You're like, man, I hope I didn't, I didn't go over, I didn't talk about something too much, right? So it's it's taken a while to get out of, get uh, get past that. That that's a uh, that bit of uh, of trauma, but um, but no, I've had a notebook uh, by my side or in my hand since I was in sixth grade. I uh, I think the writing thing came around the the same time I decided that I'd I'd want to be a police officer, um, and I I actually failed uh, almost failed sixth grade math class because I decided to write a, a fifty five page you know story instead of paying attention to. Uh, Instead of paying attention in math class, and, and uh, <laughs> it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Fifty-five pages handwritten in a notebook. <laughs> but but I was like, I uh, you know, growing up, I read, uh, I read, I started out with like Peter Benchley's Jaws, and then I got into Crichton and Clancy, and and I'm uh, just like, man, this is this is the stuff, right? You, you, the old the the old time really cool um, back cover author photos like Clancy, you know in a flight suit standing on the deck of an aircraft carrier. It's like, man, that's what, that's what writers get to do. I was like, I should probably do that too. You know? <laughs> um, 
but then he quickly realized, like, okay, I can't, you can't go from graduating high school to writing best-selling novels because you don't know anything. So it was a, uh, it was one of those things that uh, the, the ideas were there, and I couldn't figure out how to put a novel together until I was like thirty-six. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a process. But, but, oh yeah. With your background, are, are you required to submit everything that you write to the government uh, for for review, or how does that work? On the uh, fiction side, for um, for the first couple, I um, I uh, I went through the the process, you know, like with uh, with uh, I was with DHS when I started uh, getting published, and um, and I went through and asked them, like I, I offered, and they were like, yeah, it's fiction, no, you're good. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so wow. so uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those things where it, um, you know, I gave the synopsis and gave a summary of uh, of the first couple books, and and if you look at it, I mean, there's nothing in the in the law enforcement world that you can't Google or spend an evening watching ID discovery that you can't figure out. It's, it's not like we have, we have our, we don't have any, any secrets, you know, that, that, uh, that haven't been exploited in a grand way in the true crime world. So it's uh, it's a little different for guys like, um, like Steve Stratton or, or Jack Carr that have to go through that process. Cause they were in that, that more, uh, controlled world for certain amounts of their career, you know. Right. And I and I just stick to I just stick to cop work in my books, um, you know, with a little bit of fantasy thrown in there just to see if I could pull it off. Um, so there, you know, it's not like I'm writing a spy thriller or anything like that. Right. Yeah. You're not giving away the secrets. No, I have no interest in doing that. That's, that that <laughs> that would cause a lot of problems. <laughs> well, yeah, you you end up on TV and you know in court and all that stuff. Yeah, not not in the, it's not good for the retirement. No, so. no, you're gonna have to change your name, color your hair, or do everything. Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, try to make a run for it. You know, yeah, go to Canada, someplace. Not, I, I guess that worked uh, for some people, but I, you know, you got to think of the place. A, uh, if you're gonna flee something, you need uh, you need to be crooked enough to have Batman money, like in the writing gig, won't won't provide Batman money. So if, <laughs> unless I can. Unless I was able to disappear to some place and and live like Bruce Wayne, I don't think, uh, you know, the price. They say everybody's got a price, but I don't think there's a, a price high enough to to be able to disappear and live that way. And and I have very very special needs. Yeah, so. yeah, of course you do. <laughs> uh, beer and beer is expensive in Canada, so you want to make. Uh, yeah, bourbon. Yeah. yeah, I mean they do make yeah. decent decent uh, bourbon and, and whiskey in Canada, I guess, but it's not it's not Kentucky. No, so. no, nothing's Kentucky in Canada. <laughs> gotta, I gotta live the good yeah. life. I'm a I'm a lamb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have to wonder, but um, so what what got you onto this? I mean, you kind of got into writing, but what got you onto this kind of? Um, writing like your books you kind of you know how do i how do i describe this because this this newest book blood red ivory now it's an ncis agent transferred to east africa where he must investigate the murder of a sailor so it's kind of a military thriller what was the reason for that uh well i came up with um the main character uh ty benhoff um and uh kind of you know, I, I, you know, I read a ton in this job, you know, you read, you write. And, um, the, when I read, you know, it's, it seems like we've got, uh, you know, if you liken it to, uh, to police academy in the thriller world, we've got a whole lot of tackleberries, but not a whole lot of Mahoney's. And I, and I kind of just wanted to go the other way. I wanted you know, make a guy, you know, based, not, not based on him, but, um, like the way, uh, Bruce Willis portrays John McClane. He's not, 
he's not exactly a ninja, you know, he's a, he's a complete wise ass. Um, he's somebody that no supervisor would want on his squad in the real world, you know? Um, but he just, you know, they pile on garbage on top of him and he somehow makes it through. So, uh, that's where I think kind of a little more Mahoney than Tackleberry and, I uh, I wanted Ty to be kind of be that, and he's an amalgam of you know all the all the coolest people I've worked with over the last twenty years. You know, my my favorite uh, uh, my favorite guys to go out on an investigation with were you know uh, just sarcastic, dark humored, just complete complete wise asses. But when the time came to to you know, get to work on the on the scene or go start doing interviews and interrogations, they they're right on point, focused and and getting the case done. So. Um, that that he came out of all of them, all the coolest people I've worked with over the last twenty years, and uh, so I, I created the character first, and um, I was trying to figure out, you know, a, a kind of a cool, uh, kind of exotic way to to throw him in the mix, and uh, I stumbled across an article about the Akashinga, a group of uh, women uh, anti-poaching officers or rangers, uh, part of the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, I think, um, out of Zimbabwe. And, uh, and I, and these women are all victims of abuse of some, some sort, you know, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, uh, somewhat. And the guy who created the, uh, the unit is a former, uh, Australian SAS who, uh, moved out to Zimbabwe, wanted to get into the anti-poaching, um, you know, fight and created this, this group of all women that, that go out and protect rhinos, protect elephants on, on certain, uh, certain uh, ranges throughout Zimbabwe and I, I read that that article and there was a documentary on it too and I'm like man those you know I was so impressed by by what I'm reading and and I love Africa I, I spent uh, four months in uh, Djibouti Africa um in the Horn of Africa and uh, so I was like yeah I was like that that's just a you know the, a fantastic story if I could do some sort of uh, something to, to put those women in a book. I just wanted to write a story like that. I just was so inspired by it. So I took uh, Ty and I put him in the, um, you know, as an NCIS agent, they're all civilian, uh, and they're all throughout the world. That's kind of why I picked, uh, the, uh, the NCIS as his, uh, agency so that I could go any place in the world and be able to justify having an, an investigation or having him go through a story there. So I put, he's, he's kind of on the outs with his agency. He, uh, he got on the wrong side of uh, a certain assistant director, um, and the assistant director doing uh, what he does, he threw him off to one of the most desolate uh, uh, field offices that, that he could think of. And so here's Ty sitting in, uh, sitting in Africa doing, um, doing force protection surveys throughout uh, other parts of Africa and just d- with a supervisor with the or- express orders to drive him out of the agency. So when a... Um, when a, a sailor uh, is uh, is murdered in Zimbabwe, uh, he's the guy that gets uh, he's the guy that gets the call, and he gets sent out there all by himself, no backup, no no uh, no support, and he doesn't know it at the time, but he ends up being caught in a crossfire between a uh, these Akashinga uh, Rangers and a um, a uh, ivory smuggling uh, operation. So uh it's all he just gets thrown in the mix and he's got to figure it out all by himself cuz nobody else is you know his his nearest backup is like a 4 hour uh helicopter ride so <laughs> there's nobody coming for him so that's uh, i just wanted to throw him in the mix but try to keep the keep it light keep a little bit of humor involved in it um and that's uh, that's how blood red ivory came about really i had the character first and uh, and then came up with the setting and uh, and the uh, plot behind it story of my life you know you, when you <laughs> when you're doing something like that but um, 
you've got to have some of yourself in that character, I'd imagine, and it's different for everyone. So how much of yourself is in there, and what is it that you share with that character that is the same as you? I think I uh, I try to, um, I, I, you know, I never really focus on uh, on me, you know, being being Ty Benhoff. But, yeah, in order to see it, I mean, there are certain things that, that uh, come out of me of things that, that – um, that I've seen in the law enforcement world that, uh, that I want to, you know, give people a, a chance to, uh, just show, uh, some of those things that you don't always see in, uh, in, um, you know, true crime or in, uh, in, uh, crime thrillers, just, uh, um, keeping it as authentic as possible to the job of, of law enforcement, not glorifying, you know, just the, uh, the car chases and the action, but, but, um, you know, an investigator's, uh, priority in, uh, in, in, protecting the victim or telling the victim's story in this case. And, and, you know, it's one thing I, I, I learned, you know, overseas working, uh, death cases, you know, which, which we did do when you're over there, even if it's a, a natural death, uh, that occurs and they, they occur in expeditionary environments or, or a suicide, what you know that you don't always note up in, you know, back in the States because back in the States, you know, uh, somebody has a work accident or somebody commits suicide. It's, you know, you work at, like a homicide until it's it's figured out that no it's you know this it either ended up being a suicide or ended up being a work accident and the case goes away relatively quickly and when you're overseas the thing that that is different is that um you know overseas in an expeditionary environment these families back home they send these people out there whether they're contractors whether they're active duty military reservists they send them out there to the other side of the planet and um when they get a notification that, that the worst has happened to them, you know, they go through the same process of grieving, uh, but the information is nowhere near what it is if it, if it happens domestically, right? So when you're over there, it's kind of, it's kind of you always want to keep that, that perspective of the victim and, and not only the victim, but the victim's family who want to know what happened to their loved one back home, but in the, in, you know, in, in the big machine of, you know, the military expeditionary process or, or uh you know whatever whatever organization there might there might not be that that much information so the more information you can get it you know it doesn't have to be a homicide it can be a natural death or a suicide but the more information you can get that can be shared with the family will help them in that grieving process and help them with that closure and i and i think um i think that was one of ty's main motivating factors in uh, the case that he was sent out on is you know this kid in this instance is hot, is murdered um way out in the middle of nowhere in zimbabwe and uh for no other reason than at least being able to tell his mom what happened to her son is is a it you know just keeps him going as as pressure mounts up as as the as the violence mounts up as as all these things get piled on top of him the thing that's going to keep him going is being able to tell his mom what happened to him you know just get her that kind of closure if you can even say there's closure in a situation like that but that's one of those things that that I don't know if it always comes across in the, in the thriller genre or in or you know fiction whatsoever but it is a concern that's shared by every agent that might be out there doing those types of investigations and you know expeditionary environments so I guess that would they kind of be one of them um and then the other one, just the uh, just looking at a case and, and looking at the uh, the you know the objective nature of, of running an investigation, stuff like that. My favorite parts of crime scenes, my favorite parts of uh, of surveillances, stuff like that. That's that's the stuff I enjoyed. I'm going to write stuff I enjoyed, you know, as a as an investigator. And for me, it was you know 
interview and interrogation and crime scenes that those I just I fell in love with uh, with those aspects of law enforcement uh, the further I went so he gets to go out and do a uh, a crime scene all by himself out in Lion Country. Uh, he's told by uh, he's told by everybody he runs into in Zimbabwe that he's going to end up eating. You know, has a standoff with a with a bull elephant, stuff like that. The stuff that you know would be would kind of be hilarious um, if it weren't for the fact that he's all by himself in the middle of the jungle, right? <laughs> well, you know, you also mentioned action. How do you construct um, your action and your fight scenes? Do do you draw from your background and your training, or do you just use a lot of imagination for those things? I um I, I luckily was never uh, had to be a, a, a you know a gunslinger. I never actually had to be in a shooting. Never was in a shooting, um, which is a good thing. You know, no no nobody in law enforcement goes into it hoping to be a gunfighter. You know, unfortunately there are those statistics. Um, but uh, no, for me the the one thing that I uh, that I always base my action off of is uh, that in law enforcement, you're the last one to know uh, that you're about to be punched. Um, you know, we, we don't get to go into a situation going in there, just going in hot and just laying waste to, uh, to and then, you know, beating everybody down and then figuring out what happened, right? So um, in law enforcement can't, there's always the reactionary gap. So in any given circumstance, uh, you go into a situation, you can gauge people's uh, behavior, you can gauge people's movements, pre-assault indicators, stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, you uh, you don't get to be the one who chooses when the fight starts, and I and I like to keep that uh, when I'm when I'm choreographing my action or when I'm creating tension in a scene, is that uh, we're the last ones to know we're about to be in a fight because everybody else around us we go into places and everybody we're the last ones into the situation we got to catch up on what happened in a situation, and everybody else who's there is already on the same page, right? <laughs> right? Unless they're actively trying to beat each other down. They're, they're all, it suddenly becomes very unifying experience for, for people when law enforcement shows up and they decide very quickly, are we going to comply or are we not? And uh, we only have the information we're given. So when it comes to writing action, like uh, for Ty, it's, uh, you know, he's, he's out in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't know, I, he doesn't even know all the players that are involved. And I write it that way specifically. If, if, if my character doesn't have the information, my reader's not getting information either. So when I write it, when Ty's, Ty's the last one to know, he doesn't know until the shots start, and he doesn't even know why there's shots firing, right? So uh, when he's under attack, he's, he's, uh, he's got that reactionary gap that all law enforcement have to deal with, and it's about a half second, uh, depending on, on circumstances. So I like to keep um, that that's the last uh, – I like to keep that reaction versus uh, – reactionary uh, – what is it? Action versus reaction flowing through when I write my action scenes. And then I write based on, um, you know, I, I have done a little bit. I'm not, I'm not exactly an expert in, uh, in fighting, and neither is Ty. So it's basically you've got the training that you've been given over your career. I've done some extra, extra stuff on the side just to, you know, just to keep myself in shape and jujitsu and, and some other martial arts over time. But it's, I'm nowhere near an expert in anything. So I, uh, I'll use those, but I also use them in a way that I, me being uh, not much more than a novice would use them, you know, basically just uh, sloppy, you know, Ty's just in a fight. He's got to figure out his way out of the fight. So I'll, I'll use stuff that I've done over time, but, but I don't want him to, uh, to, you know, be a ninja. You know, <laughs> that's, that's not why, that's not why I wrote him. He's a, he's a regular, he's a regular cop and regular cops aren't ninjas. They're, they're, they're just very tenacious when, <laughs> when somebody, uh, comes at them because that's it. They, you know, that's 
what are they going to do? You know, so you got to be able. Sometimes you got backup, sometimes you don't. But you you have no choice in the matter. You have to figure out a way to succeed. Right. Yeah, Dave's a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not a ninja. Well, no, you can see Dave. You know he's got his YouTube channel and he does all the sticks and ninja. Ninja. I've been involved in martial arts for a long time. Yeah, he gets on there, yeah. throws sticks at people, yeah. and runs. And yeah, yeah. When I was, uh, I I realized that uh, my biggest strength in jujitsu was uh, was getting choked, not exactly <laughs> applying chokes, but I'm really good at getting. That's chokes. all part of the and fun. I, and I'm. That's, that's right. <laughs> yep. It's like, why do you keep going back to that? Oh well, well I, apparently I've got a skill at getting. You know, people like to punch me and they like to choke me. So that's... personally, my biggest thing is to watch it on TV. That's my skill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I like that yeah. better. <laughs> so what's, okay. Now this is a, always a weird question, but what's your relationship with Ty and any of your other characters? And and when you finish a book, do they disappear? Or do you stay with them? Do they stay with you? What what what's your relationship like? Uh, it's it's fun. That's a great way of putting it. Is a relationship, right? Because I'm pretty sure that we'd all say the same thing. That if our characters actually knew who we were, they'd kill us. You know, <laughs> because we're the ones that throwing them throwing them into the meat grinder all the time. But no, Ty is. Uh, you know, I'm always coming up with ideas, you know, mapping out what I want Ty to do next. What kind of arc is he going to follow? Is he going to be, you know, uh, um, is he going to be a static, you know, you know, action thriller um, uh, character over time? Or is he going to have that progression in life that, uh, that all of us do? And so there's, there's that conversation, you know, that goes on, I guess it's not much of a conversation. It's me writing notes, but, but, uh, you know, I do try to figure out what, what's his arc going to be. Um, Cause I, I don't think, I, I don't know if I if it would feel um, fair to him to do uh, you know do twenty books of uh, you know a new new action sequence of the week you know with him without letting him progress as a you know as just a human being you know it's it's all fun and games until then you you know then life you know having a great time in your twenties single you know just working cases traveling going all different places and then you settle down and then the priority shifts very quickly to family and kids and how do you balance that? And, you know, what do those dynamics look like for a character in a, in a crime thriller series? So I'm, uh, I'm kind of leaning on, on that way and, and just kind of playing with those dynamics, but it's, it's all up in the air. It's all, uh, it's all what, uh, what makes sense when the plot comes. Um, there are other characters I've had in the past though, that, uh, that like, you know, you get get down to it, and it's like, oh, I really like this character, but I'm sorry, but you have to die. <laughs> right? And I've gotten, you know, I've gotten a lot of hate mail on on some of those decisions I've made. Um, the, my some of my earlier books, Brothers Keeper and Spoilers, I um I had a great female detective that I probably could have written for a long time, and she just ran into the wrong part of the plot. And then as I'm writing, I'm like, man, there's only one thing to do. And like, this is a career cut short. So <laughs> take her out. The book comes out and immediately people are like, why did you kill her? I'm like, oh, well, cause I had, I had to keep the story going. So, sadly. Did, did you find it hard to kill her off? Was it like an emotional investment in this character? It was, yeah, she was just so cool. Uh, I mean, it's uh, in spoilers. I had, uh, the, you know, she was never meant to be a main character. Um, it was written as, uh, you know, following a narcotics unit who uh, stumbles onto, uh, you know, an international arms trafficking ring running through uh, their city and uh, kind of a hunters become the hunted type thing. And uh, right from the third page, uh, she, uh, 
she just pops out on the page as um as just being a, a badass but actually the actually the uh you know the the brains and the maturity of the outfit um and then another uh the the anti-hero not the anti-hero the the antagonist uh was a um female assassin uh who was like joker level crazy when she came out on the page and i was like man this she is awesome she was so awesome i had to write another book to because i had to bring her back so the the females completely took over that storyline and when it came down to it it was like you know you're you're setting up your chessboard for that final climax and uh there's poppy sitting right there and it's like uh the only way to make this cool is is if you go so it's it was uh it was unfortunate it was an unfortunate writing experience but it it made it made for a really good ending so so there is that how long you've been having an affair with her uh my wife knows fully she knows all about it yeah. sure yeah, she, she's she understands she understands how i feel about poppy and uh, and bianca Oh, there's two of them. He's your boys. Oh, the crazy, the the crazy uh, assassin's name was Bianca, and uh, yeah, that that kind of Joker level crazy is probably fun at the bar, but it, it's it's not something you want to take on the family. Oh, so he's a player, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't have. I, I couldn't. I don't understand people who are because I I don't have that kind of energy. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, just, it gets harder as you get older. You know, it's... yeah, and it would get expensive. It would get really expensive. I don't have the time no. either. No, too messy. <laughs> Way too messy. Yeah. So, listen, so what do you want people to get out of your books? Do you have a, a purpose, um, some sort of a, a meaning when you write a book, or is it just completely entertainment and you're just letting her loose? I, uh, it's, it's pretty much I want people to be able to sit down, get lost, um, just have a, a great time, and when, that, when they hit that last page, they, they realize that, uh, that they, need a, they need a minute. Like, they just... Um, out of breath. I want them to have so much fun reading, get absorbed in the uh, in the story, and just be like, Whew, you know, that was that was a good one. Um, I do uh, themes that that run through all my books are kind of you know resilience and uh, and just kind of um, uh, just the dedication to getting the job done, regardless of of the uh, of the uh, trouble piled on top of them. Uh, Brotherhood and uh, and one of them, uh, Brothers Keeper, uh, was was big on uh, on unity and then tenacity and spoilers is pretty much uh, just different themes that that I think are all related to to law enforcement or pretty much any any vocation probably. You think about the violence on the page as you write it. Um, it's uh, when it I the way I write is uh, I'll um, come up with my original ideas, um, come up with my characters, I'll plot out you know I'll start out uh, plot out a hook. Plot out a uh, an ending, uh, the ending climax, and then kind of roadmap my way of how I get there. And then I'll take that outline that I spent so much time on. I'll close the page, and I'll start writing. And really, it ends up being I'm writing the movie in my head. And every day when my writing session is done, I hit pause, and then I come back, and and boom. Uh, of course, the uh, you know the fight scenes and the car chases are the coolest parts, right? <laughs> so they're they're the most fun. They're the most fun to uh, fun to write. Um, but uh, but yeah, as far as uh, mapping out the violence, it's uh, I want it to be uh, you know just uh, just authentic. I don't want it to feel like it's a, like it's a choreographed dance. I just want it to be you know just angry and get it over with as soon as possible. Just you know like a regular fight would be really. Well, talking about outlining, you said you figured out how to write a novel. Uh, like by the time you were 36, did, did did you have a process for that? Did you take classes? Did you dissect someone else's novel? Um, what was your process? I tried uh, taking some classes in college, and um, 
and uh, didn't really stick. Like, I had plenty of ideas, but I couldn't figure out how to actually just get down to it and write the book. Um, so when I'm, I went to grad school at, uh, you know, Go Gators, University of Florida, um, I went to grad school for uh, forensic science. And so I spent two years, and my process would be I would come into work about an hour and a half early uh, when nobody's around. I would do my research, do my writing, get every, get all my assignments done, and then when the you know when the bell sounded to start the work day, I'd just go to work. Right. So I get done. Um, I get done with uh, with my uh, grad degree, and I'm still in that mode of waking up early every day and coming in to get work done. So I'm sitting there, you know, what how you know what do I do with this? And uh, so I just broke out an old outline and uh, refreshed it and kind of did uh, kind of came up with a, with an idea I wanted to try outlined it out hook climax and I came in with uh, I just kept that time frame during every day of with a goal of 500 words a day and you know six eight months later I've got a I'm looking at a draft I was like holy crap I was like that actually worked so I think my problem always was that I never you know the the idea of being an author is awesome. Uh, but at some point you have to write. So, and I never, I get, I think it, I think it was simply, I lacked the maturity, um, to look at it as another vocation and set out office hours, so to speak. Right. So when I, you know, the grad unit, the grad school forced me into that process. And, um, I think that's where the maturity came from to just dedicate that specific time as an, as a second job to, uh, getting that writing done, and that's that's what that's how I was able to lay it out and get it done. But yeah, but to your point, yeah, like studying other authors, uh, trying to figure out how people go about plotting. That's that's uh, that I always did that over the years, and it was like it never just clicked. It didn't click until I got done with that that grad that grad uh, that grad uh, degree. Yeah, whatever you do, don't read any of my books. <laughs> <laughs> you, are you one of those uh, just no outline guys? You just go who me? No, yeah. Yeah, is that how do you do Yeah. But you see, a lot of my stories, 30 of the books are nonfiction, true crime, and they're taken after a, after a true story. So they're, they're, they're kind of outlined for me. It's about getting the information. So when I do uh, fiction like I'm doing now, no, it's, it's more about the character and what you're going to put them through. But I, the characters are more yeah. important. Right. For me, yeah. For me, I think uh, I, I like having a character that people can relate to. And I wrote Ty that way. Like, his name's Tyrone Benhoff. It's not like he's, uh, you know, Mitch Moneymaker or, you know, Cliff Cliffdiver or something like that, some action hero name. It's uh, he's <laughs> yeah. just, a, just a normal Wick. guy comes from. Yeah, he's not John Wick. He is definitely not John Wick. But he's just a normal, you know, everyday guy just putting in extraordinary circumstances. And I like keeping it that way. I, I just think he's approachable. You know, he's not... He's not like somebody that you think is gonna, you know, come and save the day every time. Do you think? Do you think people get it wrong um, when they're trying to write cops or even on shows nowadays and movies and stuff? Do do we have a not a great realistic image of what cops are? I think uh, there's some that do it well and some that that don't. But you know, you uh, I, I I hardly even watch network TV anymore. It's uh, it's just so hard because it's written in such a vanilla way that, you know, and politics has to be seeped in and, and any given whatever the cause of the week is has to be seeped into their plot lines. And it's like, oh, and it's uh, so there's there's very few that I watch. I do because uh, I'm a giant Nathan Fillion fan. I have watched The Rookie in the past and I spend about half of it shaking my head and the other half thinking, 
if they just listened to their technical advisor more, this would be a really cool show. <laughs> um, so there's moments where they, they, that somehow that show manages to cap, capture uh, cop culture in one minute and then completely destroy it in the next. Um, but in those moments, it's, it's really well written. But, you know, like every show, you've got, you've, if you've got an hour show, what have you got actually after commercials, like 30 minutes to, to tell a story and, and every cop gets in a gunfight every week and, and they're not put on 30 days leave. So it's like, yeah, it's it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's I, I don't think you can write the that police life right without um without just glamorizing. And you have to do it with everything. But but uh, but no, it's uh, I always I, I I'm a big fan of uh, On Patrol Live. I just love uh, I love watching watching work and just watching uh, the way these officers know how to talk to people and handle people and communicate with people. I think that's a I think that's what what people miss a lot about uh, the law enforcement world is they are some of the best communicators possible. They can they can talk to any person um, to a gain information, calm a situation down, uh, just figure out the situation. And and any any police officer who uh, who's on patrol um, just getting reps over time within a year or two. They those people are are expert communicators and and can walk into any given situation and be able to talk to any human on the planet. They just have that. Um, I think that's the strongest strength of, of law enforcement. And it, you know, of course you can't glamorize that very well. No, that doesn't make it into the TV shows. It's going to be boring, you know, if it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're, so you're telling me Queen Latifah can't really walk into a room and knock 10 men out and not break. I, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't be a part of that show. (laughs) I I didn't even watch watch the pilot. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Man, no. I know it's crazy <laughs> no. how they they have someone that's, you know, and they're wearing heels and they're not in the best shape, and then they they go in and 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 all of a sudden they walk out of the room and all ten men are knocked over dead. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny at my house. My wife's a nurse, and with me being a law enforcement. Um, it's very hard for us to settle on a show <laughs> like like uh you know she uh, she puts on Grey's Anatomy I don't even know if that show's still on but you know she puts on if Grey's Anatomy's on she's yelling at the TV within 5 minutes because somebody's not wearing gloves or breaking the sterile field in surgery or something other I'm like wow that's stressful but then she if you know if she puts on a, a cop show and they got a crime scene and and like uh David Caruso's walking through making cool one liners but he's not wearing gloves and he's putting his glasses in his mouth and touching evidence, I start losing it. I'm like, okay, let's just put on some stand-up comedy and, like, call it a day. <laughs> when in doubt, turn on John Wick. He shoots everyone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> see, John Wick, I can just shut it all off yeah. and, you know, watch Keanu do his thing. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. I love kind of, it. Kind of reminds you what it would be like if you went to the mall. Anyway, that's <laughs> terrible. I'm terrible. No, I, I, don't think, I don't think you'll ever beat um, – Arnold Schwarzenegger at the mall in uh, Commando. Oh, yeah, that's, Arnold, Schwarz- Arnold Schwarzenegger is the one to to tell us how that that's how it goes down at the mall. You know? <laughs> yeah, going <laughs> shopping. Yeah, yeah, going shopping. <laughs> mall cop. How's that? <laughs> well, listen, we're we're um, glad you came on. Now, uh, of course, Blood Red Ivory, and uh, now, what's your social media and website and all that for listeners so they can uh, find you? Um, you hang out at a bar. Do you go to where? Where do people find? Oh, I don't, I don't have time for bars anymore. I got two little kids, so that's, uh, that you know, I stopped taking them to bars when they're yeah, free. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah trying to be yeah, a good parent. But no, I'm at, uh, I'm on, yeah, I'm on uh, IG and I guess X now at John Stamp Writer, 
and uh, websites, johnstampwriter.com. Uh, the, uh, the podcast, uh, That's Criminal with, uh, with John Stamp is, uh, on Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you, f- you find the, uh, the podcast and it's up on my website. So that's uh, the easiest way to find me. I'm not hard okay. to find. Well, we'll have all that up on our website. People can find you and stuff. We'll have your, uh, Tinder information too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That just uh, yeah. Actually, the wife doesn't only fans. Happened, so we're gonna have to, <laughs> yeah. My, well, my only fans is a really good stream of revenue. You know, and all I got to do is like show my feet. I'm yeah. Good, well, so, there you know, go. We're gonna have to. You just gotta find the niche. Yeah. You just gotta find the niche on that going? site, and you're all good. I can even keep my clothes on most of the most time. Most of the time, you see, you're, you're, we're not even. Gonna, we're not gonna ask that. Uh, that just went yeah. sideways. Yeah. Yeah. You're in trouble. Well, again, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great talking to you guys. Thanks, John. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www. HouseofMystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is the production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.